and Sharon this week. I thought, I wonder how they're getting on after... Uh, it's, been a, it's been a challenging few years to be in the business of uh, gathering people together at a time when there's been a global pandemic telling us not to gather. So, um, yeah, I, I came away from the day on uh, Thursday just thinking, isn't it great that I've kind of been freed up to spend some time with Colin and Sharon? I, I hope they were half as encouraged uh, as I was uh, from the day. And, uh, yeah, I really want to commend Colin and Sharon to your prayers. And, uh, yeah, I, I think you've got uh, a wonderful um, family serving you here at Woodcroft as you work out kind of together how to kind of piece things back together, get people uh, back joining together and, and reach out with the great news of Jesus. I'll keep Rob fairly uh, busy during the sermon. I've put, I decided I wanted to kind of cover chapters one to three today. We're not going to read through all of it, but as we're kind of dipping through, I thought I'll put all the Bible readings up on uh, screen behind me uh, as well. So as we start in a series on Proverbs, I thought uh, I'll tell you my favourite proverb. It's actually not from the Bible. I should probably rethink that intro. But um, you could tell me where, if, if anyone knows uh, where this proverb is from. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool that follows him? Any takers uh, on that one, where it's from? Seeing some blank stares. Well, it's actually from the eminently wise Obi-Wan Kenobi, speaking to Han Solo in Star Wars Episode Four, delivered by the great actor Sir Alec Guinness. And it kind of points out that we actually live in a Proverbs-saturated world from many great writers, thinkers and unknown sources and movie script writers in many cases. Uh, see if you know where this one's from. Uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Anyone? I'll see a few nods around the room. That's Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part 2. Uh, in a few short words, Proverbs can really make us think they can encourage us, they can rebuke us. Uh, we sometimes use them to pass judgment on others. Uh, we teach our kids with Proverbs, we comfort ourselves and we challenge each other. So here's a kind of a, a selection of common Australian Proverbs, uh, clearly most of them not from the Bible, but you know, just to see how prevalent Proverbs actually are, Well, we always say, well, two wrongs don't make a right, Honesty is the best policy. Actions speak louder than words. But of course, the pen is mightier than the sword. Uh, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Fortune favours the brave. There's no such thing as a free lunch, but don't bite the hand that feeds you. You can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, but of course, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And certainly don't count your chickens before they hatch. The early bird catches the worm, but a watch pot never boils. Better late than never, though. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Many hands make light work, but of course too many cooks spoil the broth. All good things must come to an end. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. You can't judge a book by its cover, though. Out of sight, out of mind, yet of course absence makes the heart grow fonder. Good things come to those who wait, there's no time like the present. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Cleanliness is next to godliness, and if you can't beat them, join them. And if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> so the question really is not, will we live by Proverbs, but rather what kind of Proverbs will we live by and cherish? 
We are starting a three-week series in Proverbs, and I'm really looking forward to being with you for uh, the next three weeks. This series, as I mentioned with Colin before, is about learning to treasure and actually using Proverbs to shape us for the Proverbs in that God has collected for us in His Word to impress much uh, on us. In the sermons, uh, I'm just in the three weeks, I'm going to be trying to equip you to use Proverbs well and you'll get heaps more out of it if you do get into the daily uh, Bible reading guides. Uh, this first sermon, then the readings for this week and next week's sermon, kind of get us through Proverbs 1 to 9, which is really the kind of uh, introduction and the sort of sale job on why we need Proverbs. So we're going to focus most of our time there so that from chapter 10 onwards in Proverbs, you'll be much uh, better equipped uh, to use them. So if you've not done daily Bible readings in a while, they're designed to be done in less than 10 minutes, but I think you'll find it a really helpful investment in having God and His Word sort of shape your day. This is a series about growing in and treasuring God's wisdom for life. Because, as I said before, we live in a complicated world And we really need God's wisdom to live in it well. Navigating the challenges of friendship, work, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, marriage, using our words wisely, just to name a few. And our goal in this series is simple, that you'll come away actually with a new appreciation and love for the book of Proverbs, thoroughly equipped to use it well for the rest of your days. And by doing so, experience great blessing and benefit through all seasons, including the trials and the joys of life. And that's exactly what Proverbs promises. And we get underway uh, in chapter 1, and I'll keep popping these up on screen. Rob, we'll just get the first one up there from Proverbs 1, chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right, just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise." I should have just said to you before, Rob, just leave them up on screen if you like uh, and I'll talk and then flip to the next one. Uh, I'll let you know when I do that. But from this introduction in verses 1 to 6, all are invited by God to develop applied knowledge for living well, to have Proverbs actively shape our character, to help us to understand the world and to teach us its patterns and truisms so that we might know how to live well in community together living the good life in a community marked by justice and fairness. And then in verse 7, which will pop up on screen now, we come to one of the most important statements we need to grasp if we are to read Proverbs well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's that important that we're going to spend sort of the next eight days together through the two sermons and the daily readings unpacking it. And I would suggest it's thoroughly worth the effort because as we're told, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
And I'd go as far as to say that it's only really when you get this concept and all that chapters 1 to 9 have to teach us that they're then ready to discover the great power of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, at its core, is an optimistic book. I called the series God's Wisdom is Known because it teaches us that wisdom and life are within our grasp. God has made his wisdom known to us. He's given it to us as a gift. And the human task God lays before us is to choose our course in life and to stand with the wise under God, pursuing goodness. Rather than with the foolish who despise God's wisdom and instruction, causing great injury to themselves and to others. In these opening nine chapters, there are actually ten speeches from a father to a son, urging the son to embrace wisdom and reject folly. That's how the the writer of Proverbs has kind of put it together. There are also four poems in these first nine uh, chapters. God's wisdom is kind of personified. It's kind of put across to us as lady wisdom. So God's wisdom personified, calling to us. And together, these speeches and poems seek to persuade us with great vigour to treasure God's wisdom, to realise its value its power to actively change our character and therefore our actions and words. Very much thinking of Adele and and Sienna and uh, Ollie uh, this morning and all the kids out in our programs. Wonderful thing uh, for them to sort of learn from an early age to treasure God's wisdom, to know that, um, yeah, there's a big difference between picking uh, a good friend and what it means uh, to uh, to be a good friend to others. Uh, than to kind of uh, run off with sometimes the foolishness uh, of which uh, young adults embrace from time to time. And on the flip side of seeing the attractiveness of wisdom, we also see the horror of embracing folly in the book of Proverbs. We see its destructive power so that we may have the desire and the character to reject it, taking a stand alongside Lady Wisdom, God's wisdom personified, listening to her. So we're going to cover a bit of uh, ground today. I'll keep uh, uh, Rob busy there. Let's, we're going to have a quick look at one of the first father-son speeches, which comes in verses 8 to 10, where we read, listen, to, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Great Mother's Day verse. Uh, They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. There's a picture here of a youth living well in light of his parents' teaching and growing in favour in the sight of others. Acknowledging even those who seek to do good, even those who seek their Uh, with parents who seek to instruct their kids in wisdom, uh, even those can be enticed to do evil with the promise of such things as easy material gain, getting all sorts of valuable things through harming the innocent or bending a rule, sharing a a password to a subscription service that you're not really uh, allowed to share and all the other ways, big and small, that we're enticed uh, to embrace Uh, easy gain. It's a mistake, I think, to simply say, well, to kind of um, look at folly and sort of say, well, I haven't 
you know, exactly been enticed to join a gang lately and roll someone for their shoes, so, you know, let's move on. I think chapters 1 to 9 make a much more broadly applicable points through concrete and easy-to-get examples. Verses uh, 17 to 19 seem to kind of zoom out from the specific to teach a broader lesson, implying verse uh, 17, which will be up uh, up on uh, screen, uh, that people who do some of these things are really quite foolish. Verse 17 says, How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. Yeah, not sort of the way we catch food these days, but uh, obviously a bit more applicable in the day. But also the point behind it that such uh, things like ill-gotten gain often seem attractive to us when offered, but in the end don't really deliver. Verse 18, These men lie in wait for their own blood, they ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. So much of folly and evil promises a great deal to us when the decision lays before us. Yet God says over time there's something that he's built into the way the universe runs that foolishness only ever delivers on destruction. Whether it's uh, a big business before an inquiry, uh, a profit built on a factory exploiting the poor, uh, business partners' fraud is uncovered, uh, the tax man discovering cash-in-hand dealings, the prisoner lamenting choices that promised quick gain yet provided slow ruin. Yet in contrast to these kind of shadowy enticements uh, in secret we see Lady Wisdom enter the scene, kind of calling in the public square, verse 20, crying out from atop the city gate to the simple, the mockers, the fools, which, uh, verse 23, uh, we see uh, God's wisdom personified, Lady Wisdom calling out, repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you, I will make known to you my teachings. Such great promises offered to those who repent, but also great woe declared on those who won't, since, verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. There's that description again. A sharp contrast is drawn between those who repent at wisdom's rebuke and those who don't, starting verse 32, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, says Lady Wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So you can see already as we close chapter 1 that the decision whether we'll reject God's wisdom and be seduced into folly or whether we will listen to God has been set up for us really at nothing less than a life or death decision. Then we turn to our second father-son speech and just listen to the kind of the urgency here, the imploring, the effort to persuade being used as we start off chapter 2 at verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. 
As a pastor, I am concerned about our current and future generations' willingness to pay the cost required here to understand what it means to fear the Lord and to find real, God-given wisdom and knowledge. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you over the next three weeks, so I can't really make any comment on Trinity Church Woodcroft, at Trinity Church Woodcroft. But at our church, one of the joys of recent years has uh, been seeing Cam sort of grow as a leader and get to know people. Uh, he's the one who's been sent out to plant at Tonsley. It's wonderful uh, to see him bit by bit growing as a leader and getting to know different people around our community as he's uh, prepared to do so. I remember a few years back, Cam came bounding into the office one Friday uh, after filling in a few times, uh, leading our seniors Bible study. We have a great and, and vibrant seniors group who meet uh, on a Friday in the morning. So I asked Cam, how was it leading the seniors this morning? And Cam answers, highlight of my week. <laughs> I asked why, and he said, well, the discussion, the things that they talk about, it's very obvious that they've been shaped by the careful studying of the Bible week in, week out for decades. And the way they pray and the things they pray about, it's got real depth to it. It's so encouraging. It's great. And our seniors at Colonel Light Gardens are a great treasure to us. It was with uh, great joy and sadness that we sent uh, a number off in church planning and directlands, both to Unley and Tonsley, and a number uh, have joined you here at Woodcroft as well. We have a, a saying, I was chatting to uh, Jim uh, before, who uh, joined the church at the very beginning after an ad in the, the newspaper. And um, yeah, we were just talking about the need in the Christian life to kind of keep going out uh, to reach others. And I said we had a little uh, a saying that we've kind of... There's very few sort of original uh, sayings that I have. I'm, I'm a bit of a bower bird of a preacher picking up great sayings elsewhere. But I think this one might be a Matt Lehman original. Um, that we kind of keep saying to one another as we talk about church life that we're the kind of people who are willing to fracture relationships that we really love for the sake of people that we haven't met yet uh, as we go out and uh, create new churches where it's a great place to be a Christian and it's a great place for Christians to share the great news of Jesus. So, you know, I, I, it took me back actually to thinking as we prayed years ago, as we sent off uh, four or five of our members to join Woodcroft for the sake of people we haven't met yet, it was uh, great uh, to meet Jim and his wife. Sorry, I forgot... Pam, sorry, Pam, I couldn't see it there uh, behind there. It was really great to meet Jim and Pam, which are really the answer to the prayer of why people leave a church that they love and come and form a new community somewhere else for the sake of people uh, that we haven't met yet. And so we're willing to pay the cost to sell out uh, some of uh, the gold of our church, uh, some of uh, those sort of uh, approaching and, and past retirement to help create new communities like this. And they're people who have done the hard work of storing up God's commands, as implored by Proverbs, who have applied their heart to understanding, who have cried out for insight and searched for wisdom as a great treasure, 
And as a result, know the right kind of understanding of uh, what it means to fear the Lord. I think, particularly because it's got the word fear in it, I think we always kind of try and rush to kind of explain it away or what it means to sit under God. And I'm not going to give you the one, two, sort of three dot point understanding because I think uh, Proverbs tells us that it's something that's developed over many years of careful study. So I shouldn't uh, seek to shortcut it. Uh, But it's an immensely positive thing to live under God's wisdom, under his uh, loving rule. But move generations, though, from um, uh, some of uh, those sort of approaching retirement and uh, and into their senior years. Uh, Move with me, perhaps, uh, to those with adult kids now, at the peak of their careers, those sort of a bit north of uh, 50, perhaps. So statistically in Australia, there's a massive hole in churches there. So if you look at the age profile of uh, us across the Trinity Network, there's a bit of a gap there. And you look at other churches, uh, it's even more pronounced as well. Now, of course, we have many wonderful uh, exceptions at uh, Colonel Light Gardens, and I'm sure you do here too. But by and large, there's not really many in that 50 to 65-year-old bracket in churches today. My take on it is that many who still consider themselves Christian but aren't part of regular fellowship at church through the week simply feel like they've heard it all before. What else is there to know? And many, sadly, have been at churches kind of unwilling to teach at depth and to keep saying we can keep growing until the day we meet Jesus face to face. So they don't come. They don't grow and they're no longer searching. Many, not all of course, that do come to church occasionally just want a quick hit and perhaps some social value to derive out of church. Then grouping together are young adults and those in their 30s and 40s, uh, kind of working hard to establish their place in the world. Uh, Some are busy with young kids, and it is busy, I get it personally, But we've grown up in the information overload era where it's kind of seen to be a good thing that we hear everyone's opinions on everything via social media. Generally speaking, we don't focus on anything uh, for long and have quite an attention deficit. We'd far prefer a six-minute video to tell us all we need to know from Proverbs and a preacher who will just tell me what it means to fear the Lord in three entertaining and well-illustrated points. (laughs) And grouping all our adults, uh, except for our seniors, into one basket, um, we've largely reduced the the topic of guidance in the Christian life to a vague, ill-defined sense of God's will. Well, I prayed for it, and it seems God wants me to do... Well, exactly what my heart wanted to do in the first place. Instead of paying the cost of the slow, careful and prayerful study of God's word and having our character transformed through storing up God's words within us, applying our hearts to understanding, crying out to God for the wisdom of insight and understanding, searching diligently for it, like a precious treasure. It is costly to us to learn what it means to fear the Lord and finding the knowledge of God 
But Lady Wisdom promises to deliver if we are willing to pay the cost. And listen to the sale job of the benefit. These first two are up on screen. I'll have one up on screen in a minute. But God protects the way of his faithful ones. Verse 8 in chapter 2. We'll understand what's right, just and fair, every good path, verse 9. And verse 10 I did put up on screen. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10. Discretion will protect you. Wisdom will save you from all those who would lead us into folly and keep us on the path of righteousness as we follow Jesus together. In short, the reward totally outweighs the cost paid. And Jesus, as the wisdom of God in human flesh, makes the exact same point and was perhaps building on this very passage of Proverbs in one of his parables, speaking of the immense value it is to be part of the kingdom of God and what it means to enter into the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus said, Matthew 13 Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went away and sold everything he had so he could buy that field. It's something actually we don't often consider, that Jesus is actually the ultimate Proverbs man, the wise man par excellence. We often refer to Jesus' role as the ultimate prophet, speaking the very words of God. He is indeed our great high priest, offering the one true perfect sacrifice of his body to death on a cross, as we've just remembered at Easter, to pay for the sins of all who would place their trust in him, which is itself God's greatest wisdom, which so many, of course, consider foolishness. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, We're called to live under his loving rule today. But as I've suggested in the daily reading notes at points, uh, at the conclusion of this series, in the conclusion of sort of five weeks of immersing yourself in Proverbs, if you go along with the daily readings, go back and read a gospel account of Jesus' life again and you'll realise just how much Jesus is soaked in the Proverbs in God's word. So, what can we say so far about the fear of the Lord? Well, chapter 1 has shown us it involves rejecting the way of the fool who despises God's wisdom and the person who listens to God's wisdom, Lady Wisdom's call to repent. To work out what it means, chapter 2 encourages us in the most persuasive way possible to kind of really apply ourselves to the task, to pursue wisdom, to seek for it like treasure if we are to understand the fear of the Lord and to find knowledge. And there's one last point, super quick, from chapter 3. Start with me from verse 5 up on screen. Where we're told, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's humility required here to trust God from every recess of our heart, submit all of our ways to him. 
honouring the Lord with our wealth, chapter 3, verse 10. With our first fruits is a wonderful picture of God's abundant provision for those who do so, with cups overflowing with new wine. But also the humility to submit to God's discipline with our lives when we need it, from verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Humbly living under God's rule is a key part of what it means to fear the Lord and there's more coming in the chapters ahead. And in the daily readings set out for you this week from from chapters 4 through to 7 and we'll pick up in verses 8 to 9 next week. But once we kind of, like our heart gets the concept, knowing the fear of the Lord isn't just the beginning of wisdom, Living under it, rightly understood, is kind of where we camp out, where we stay in the Christian life. When we stand there with Lady Wisdom as our guide, then we're ready to mine chapters 10 to 29 of Proverbs as we read them through. As we come across Proverbs of Friendship, as I mentioned, uh, you know, some good Proverbs to study uh, for our our youth uh, particularly and for adults to study with their kids to understand what it means to be a good friend. As we kind of come across it then and as we see those kind of Proverbs on friendship kind of dotted throughout the chapters as they are, we'll, we'll know the underlying tension that Proverbs has already laid out for us, that it's a dangerous thing to have foolish friends. And we need to develop character strong enough to withstand the seductive call of folly. So those proverbs on being a good friend and having good friends then, of course, had added weight and depth and application to them. Same goes even more so on the value of choosing wisely if you're going to be married in life. For those of us who are parents, we get the urging of a father's instruction and a mother's teaching as we raise kids. When it comes to wealth, we'll get that our first priority is to honour God with what we have, because what he has given us is so precious to us. As we kind of go through all these topics that apply, and Proverbs covers so many topics, I just wanted to say, it simply cannot be that our seniors' generation is the last generation to grace this earth who search for wisdom like treasure, like so many have. Yes, it is costly, and I don't want to short sell you uh, on that today and uh, just sort of let us off the hook. Because Proverbs simply wouldn't have it that way, and neither does Jesus. Searching for God's wisdom and living under his rule well today is a non-negotiable part of following him. But the reward is immense, It's beyond compare, it's knowable. (laughs) And that is the message of Proverbs. So please take the reading notes. Uh, I've set them out over the next five weeks to extend beyond my time here. And I think you'll come away really loving Proverbs and know how to use them in life regularly to give you great benefit. Yes, you can find, particularly online, those who will offer you much more of a quick fix in the Christian life. Uh, You can find churches that are easier to be a part of that won't lay before you the ongoing challenge of going deeper into God's word together as a family 
and trying to apply it in all areas of life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's tempting in the Christian life to take the quick fix path, but Proverbs wouldn't have it, Jesus wouldn't have it. And let's uh, finish with my opening proverb. (laughs) Who's the greater fool? The fool or the fool that follows him? I'll close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you make your wisdom known to us uh, in your word. And we thank you that um, as we encounter wisdom personified, Lady Wisdom in the book of Proverbs, that we actually stand at this rich point in history where we can see your wisdom personified ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We thank you so much that he came to teach us, to die on the cross as our substitute, to save us, to bring us back into relationship with you, uh, something that so many in our world consider a foolish message. Please help us to treasure uh, the wisdom of Christ, uh, to sit under your teaching from across your word. And we pray particularly for these next few weeks Uh, in the book of Proverbs, that you would instill much of your wisdom to us and actually grow our hunger and our heart for it as we seek to live lives that uh, bring great glory and honour to you today, uh, that are a blessing to us and ultimately give us strength uh, to look outward and to be a huge blessing uh, to others in our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, uh, our schools uh, and... uh, We ask, uh, Lord, that you would do all of this and and much more, actually, than we dare ask, imagine. Um, And we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious and very powerful name. Amen.